and welcome to our first podcast of Shrill Vibes. I'm Sarah. I'm Adrian, And we're both in a grad class at the local Cal State called Writing for Social Action. We're supposed to pick a project, a final project, that we have to place on a continuum or some sort of cycle that has to do with whether it's a social action or not. And we decided to do this podcast because there are certain issues that require nuanced conversations that we have with each other all the time, but it's it's hard to have this in a in a public way. A protest won't cut it kind of thing. It's hard to fit on a poster. Right? Yes, it's hard to fit on a poster. It's a lot to fit on a poster. Right. So we're just two women talking about things and see where we end up. Let's get started. So... I just wanted to mention maybe last year, Aziz Ansari was my favorite comedian and entertainer of all time. I've seen and read everything he's done, and my friends quote his stand-up. The news of his that came out on Babe really stung and struck me with the Me Too movement. So uh, Babe.net published an article in early January. It came out right after he won his Golden Globe for Master of None. Right, real quick, on Master of None, there's a whole story arc with Bobby Cannavale <laughs> about sexual harassment with entertainers and how they shouldn't have to work with people like that. It, he's actually touched on, it's really interesting when this happened to him because he's actually touched on sexual harassment twice in his show. He, that whole season two arc about this really creepy sort of obviously creepy and obviously manipulative man. And yeah, then like he, he abuses his power. He abuses his power, so it's a really obvious representation of that. And and then in season one, it was just him all of a sudden realizing that his girlfriend gets uh, catcalled on the street. Or Oh, I love that episode where he and Eric Warheim are walking down the street and like skipping and having a great time. Exactly. And it's like a dark New York City alleyway. And hers, it's like all scary music. Like she Yeah. To, and he's like, know. wait, do you feel uncomfortable? Like he like has this awakening where he all of a sudden realizes like this is uncomfortable. But... So this is obviously something he's just hasn't shied away from talking about. So yeah, or like a Samantha B says, he has a whole book on dating in the modern world. Yeah, modern romance. I just I loved this book. I mean, it was really interesting and entertaining. But uh, yeah, it's something that he. So he's sort of represented like these uh, overt images of uh, sexual harassment. And so what we wanted to talk about today was um, the irony is that his example or his Me Too moment is more subtle, right? It's not this representation of the overt, um, obvious sexual harassment or yeah. the power. It's something that's more subtle that happens more intimately and happens more common than I think people like to talk about. Well, right. So for instance, let me talk about my reaction. I was like crestfallen, like, okay, I lost Louis CK, but I can kind of see that with that guy. I've heard some <laughs> stuff. I've li- I'm a nerd. I listen to comedy podcasts. Yeah, there's been murmurs. Right. I was crushed. I'm like not Aziz. Like I was just like, no, not him. And I read the article and my initial response that I was pretty immediately horrified by was who hasn't had an encounter like this? It's like sucks for her, but now she knows she can't trust dudes. We all have to know that, which is kind of like that old school second wave feminism, which I'm not proud of. Because the truth is, is the fact that it's so normal and so everyday, even from people who aren't monsters. And I will go out and say, I don't think Aziz Ansari is a monster. I do think he did a monstrous thing that's representative of the patriarchy, rape culture, things like that. Well, I do think like part of the problem with Aziz or just part of the reason why it resonated with so many people is there's not a word for what happened. When you use the blanketed term harassment or assault, we sort of made our own assumptions on what that means. We, we visualize that in one way. 
and we see that right. executed in one way. Oh yeah, so, like an after school special exactly. about date rape. So we don't realize the ways that if something doesn't fit into our narrow definitions of these things, then we feel like, well, that's not assault or that's not whatever. Mm -hmm. So we don't understand it. But I mean, a, a little bit of background on the story, which I think everyone knows by now is the babe.net article is titled, I went on a date with Aziz Ansari. It turned into the worst side of my life. And so it's just sort of chronic chronicling this woman's encounter with him where she was made to feel very uncomfortable on a date with him. And did something she was uncomfortable with, even though she had said she didn't want to do them. Because she verbalized yeah. non-consent. Yeah, she verbalized non-consent. And she also felt like she had to because he was a celebrity and she sort of felt and like... she had a crush on she him. She had a crush on him, but she sort of felt that there was like an imbalance right there, right? Mm -hmm. So my initial reaction, how unbelievably corny and unsmooth Aziz was, like my initial oh, yeah. reaction was like, like... sticking his fingers down her throat? Yeah, yeah. was like, okay, and, and another... <laughs> yeah, first it was like, okay, so he has no game. Yeah, because he's so sophisticated that yeah. he can like make these observations during stand-up and stuff where he can like say things like, oh, I'm out with my friend at the 50 Cent concert or the Kanye concert and he says we're the only white guys here and he's like I'm not white but he's still like there's these incredibly <laughs> new unsophisticated observations but yet he thinks she wants like his yeah. fingers down her throat when they're not even having you know not that I think that's bad I think <laughs> what, what I'll say is that it, it and I think I'm about to say what you're about to say yeah, go for it. which is that it like when you read this article which we'll post a link to later yeah no and, and it's I understand. Like, let me just be clear that we both understand the problems with this article, Adrian and I both, because we know that it's kind of like a like the whole site is not filled with journalistic integrity and like yes. like there's some <laughs> trashy stuff on there. Yeah, it's not particularly well written either. But what I think is interesting about it is that well, when I read it, it was like it just read to me like a guy who's just doing what he saw in porn. Yeah. Like, and it just feeds on that idea of just... And not, not even recognizing what the other person would exactly. want. Like, yeah. I saw this done once and... Uh, oh, I want to try that. She'll like it. Uh -huh. Yeah. Or not even she'll like it, but like, this is what you do. This is what one does. Like, it's just painfully obvious that there, that when there's... And I, I'm sure people have had their own experiences where, you know, in those moments where you feel like you saw this somewhere once and that's why you're trying to do this. Right, like, which is good. More power to you, but probably when you've already discussed it with someone yes, or you already course. have a sexual relationship with them. Yeah. Not when, out of the blue when it's you're your sitting first on the night. couch. Yeah, exactly. And especially because you just don't know that person's signs for consent. Exactly. And real quick interlude, I know this is kind of getting off topic, but <laughs> we have to know what consent is so much. Can you imagine what kind of bitch we'd be called or what kind of monster we would be if we didn't like, I don't go to dinner with a group of friends without picking a place. I know we'll probably satisfy 80% of the people. Like how could, how could he not just pay attention to signs? I know people are like, well, she should have absolutely said no and said it more than once. Why is it not his responsibility? This incredibly sophisticated and yeah. nuanced study of human behavior that he is <laughs> yeah. understand like, oh, maybe I should have a sexual relationship with this girl and see what she's comfortable with. Exactly. And I, th I just think it, so it, there is that immediate moment of like, ooh, like. Icky, like, cringe. Icky, like, especially because you feel in the way that it's, the, I think part of it's the way that it's written and the way that it, the story was told was that 
you just feel like you're led you're getting you're getting some information that you shouldn't know like inf- information oh, about yeah. someone's just cringy oh yeah it and i'm like too and I'm personal not talking about her like it's yeah but well because we don't know her exactly. we know him exactly yeah, grace i think like, is her pseudonym yes it is it's grace mm-hmm. it, you just feel like oh like you just like so cringy and it just makes you think that and probably if she was a 30 year old woman not a what is she 22 or 23 or something uh, i don't remember actually even if she's 25 if she was a 30 year old woman she probably would have got up and be, and made fun of him and said she was 22 at the time when it happened see and if she was 30 and closer to his age and also felt like more of his equal like let's say it was another comedian would have been like what porn made you think it was okay to do that to me <laughs> and made fun of him and left but she's this 22 year old you know, maybe she graduated college, maybe she didn't, who's out on a date with this famous guy who she thinks is so cool and sophisticated. And I mean, I've been in a situation myself yes. where I just thought because he was a nice guy that I had to put up with his awkward. You know what I mean? I wouldn't do that now. And this is also me, someone who since I was a kid has been told I'm opinionated. Uh, Tell us what you really feel, Sarah. I'm. <laughs> Trill, bossy, bitchy, all those things. And I still did stuff I wasn't comfortable with because I didn't think it was okay to say no until after the fact and reflecting. And I do think like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm just really quickly gazing over this article and it's Mm -hmm. just so bad. But anyways, the (laughs) the interesting thing about the Aziz thing that we talked about is like she confronted it. She messed, she reached out to him. On the ride home, right? Uh, And yeah, she had texted him, you know, saying, um everything that made her uncomfortable. And she's, um, let me just read her quote. It says, um, last night might have been fun for you, but it wasn't for me. When we got back to your place, you ignored clear nonverbal cues. You kept going with advances. You had to have noticed I was uncomfortable. I just want to take this moment to make you aware of this behavior and how uneasy it made me. Really think back to last night. You may have said, it's okay, only fun if we're both enjoying it. Let's just chill. But within moments of that, your fingers were down my throat. And then I'm just like, I'm going to read the rest, but Mm -hmm. she's just going on talking about how he, he ignored the advances and, and he responded. So I have a friend, he's married to my closest friend since we were in middle school. Um, I've been close to him for years. He's the father of two of my favorite people. He, his first reaction is, cause he's only seen the headlines is look, Sarah, Sarah, I believe these women. I believe these victims mm-hmm. and they're victimized. I know it's a problem, but he like just lives a straight and Like they, him and my friend have been married since they were 18 or well, we, since we were 23, but they've been together since we were 18. He's just like, I just feel like now there's this weapon that if nobody likes somebody, a man in politics or in, in the famous that they can, and I'm all, do you know that the, Washington Post like caught someone trying to make up that story. That's not how this works. Just stop and don't think about these poor men. There's this yeah. backlash. He's all, oh, that's a relief that they didn't publish it and they caught that. And I'm like, yeah, you don't have to worry. You do everything right. You yeah. only have sex with your wife and you don't make anyone else uncomfortable. <laughs> I, but you have to trust that this happens to us. I mean, have have we learned nothing from the years of Launder SVU that yeah. have taught us that most rape goes unreported? <laughs> right. That is, that is one of the main things you know. So it's it's the fact that people are speaking up now and it makes it seem like it's so much more prevalent. It's like, no, people are just talking about it now. It's not that it's happening more. And you know, we've had this discussion. The yeah. idea that no one's safe or whatever. No one's safe meaning men. No one's safe meaning men. Oh, no one's safe now. Who's, yeah, because women next? haven't ever been safe. Yes. Oh, I wonder what, <laughs> oh, I wonder what that's like. You uh-huh. know, like it, that irritates me so much because... 
it just frames this whole conversation in the context of how it affects men. Right. It, we're talking about these assaults. We're talking about them as these things that happen to men instead of, right. Instead of and their careers and their careers, more importantly, their careers instead of the women or their careers or the women's careers were missing out on exactly. because they can't handle well, like that's the, that's your choice we'll say no get out of the situation yeah and that's what you do as a tough woman I was just gonna say <laughs> that uh this my friend's husband my friend he's so my friend his other response was I told him about Aziz Ansari and he's like no it probably was like just like that's not rape Sarah that's not assault I'm like Right. You don't have to Matt Damon me. I know the difference between <laughs> rape at gunpoint, marital rape, and an icky, sexual, uncomfortable situation that's still non-consensual. Yes. And I said, and the thing that's important is because every nice guy or even like seemingly, I don't know, woke, nuanced, uh, <laughs> sophisticated guy like Aziz Ansari should know this too. I said... So my friend was kind of grossed out with the fingers down the throat part too. He's all, oh, like that's where he like looked like, I, I can't believe I'm defending this guy. So Aziz Ansari has been this like very like he wore the Time's Up pin and all black at whatever, that's Golden right. Globes or whatever it was. Um, he's been this like incredible vocal ally. He went on Letterman, I think, and was like, so did you know all it takes to be a feminist? My girlfriend taught me. It's just you think you believe in equality, you know, and he's like this vocal ally, right? And supposedly my friend's an ally too. He definitely doesn't want um, women to be assaulted or victimized or, you know, in non-consensual situations. But he says like, I said, what about how cool would it have been if Aziz Ansari posted his response before this grace had to go to babe? What if he said, you know, guys out there, we don't all have to be villainous ex Mossad hiring Harvey Weinstein, who's like a straight <laughs> villain. All of us need to challenge ourselves and confront ourselves because I've made somebody uncomfortable and abused my power and I didn't even know it. And of course, my friend is all, of course he wouldn't do that, Sarah. Yeah. Or the idea that that you touched on is, I mentioned this earlier about um, that there's not a word for it. And I think it's because everything's framed under me too. So it's framed under this one sort of hashtag that makes it cohesive, which is good for just spreading awareness and right. is really good for just letting you realize uh, the variety of people and ways that this affects people. Mm -hmm. But I feel like it, it makes people assume that we're saying, yeah, that it's the same. It just, or because, equivalent. Yeah, just because things are not equivalent doesn't mean that one's better or worse than the other. It just means that they're different forms of the same rape culture. Exactly. They're, they're stems of the same problem. So I do think, yeah, I, exactly. It all falls under rape culture and it all fun, falls under problematic behavior. So with that being said, we've we've covered the Aziz Ansari situation. Our initial reactions. And our initial reactions <laughs> and kind of like the difference between the Me Too movement, how it's complex and nuanced and kind of like not all men and like perceived allies who end up not being allies. We'll touch on more on that a little bit. Yeah, we'll bit. touch on that in our second segment, but um, let's go to commercial and then we'll resume in a minute. We'll be right back. Honey, we're out of clean towels. There's just one place to go for all your towel needs. Towel World! A giant warehouse of towels for every purpose. Thousands of towels to choose from in every fabric, size, and color. Towel World! We sell all of our towels direct to you or online at TowelWorld.com. So where do you want to go when you want towels at a fraction of the retail cost? Towel World! 
And this weekend only, take advantage of our incredible liquidation sale. Buy at least nine towels and get the tenth one free. Don't forget, they make great presents. And what better way to say, don't divorce me, Linda, than with the gift of a towel. Towel World! Over 30 locations in the U.S. and China. So come into Towel World today where we're soaking up the savings. Or visit us online at TowelWorld.com today. Hello, this is Tally Goldman, owner of Tallow World. I love Tallow so much, I bought a company. Welcome back to Shrill Vibes. I'm Sarah. I'm Adrian. And we are going to do our second segment. Adrian, there's something you wanted to touch on from the first segment? Well, yeah, I think we briefly mentioned this when we talked about um, not all men. Yes. So I wanted to retouch on something that we briefly mentioned in the first segment, which was this uh, idea of uh, um, no one's safe, right? Yes. So we kind of briefly mentioned that. So I just kind of wanted to share the sort of reasons behind that argument or sort of how that we encounter that in everyday life. So I've had, I have two good friends, good male friends that I think would consider themselves allies. Uh They consider themselves sympathetic to feminism and sympathetic to women's rights. And they consider themselves fairly progressive. More than even just Matt Damon too, because I have a daughter and a wife. Yeah. More than, (laughs) yeah, actually I feel like, I feel like one or one of them might, you know, I have sisters or whatever. Like, I don't know. Maybe. Like that, like you only have to care about women if you yeah. have sisters. I, I, <laughs> yeah. As far as what they mean, not as a concept, women as a concept, but women as who they are to you. Right. Exactly. exactly. Uh-huh. No, I think, but I just in casual conversation, I believe that they, that they feel this way. Right. Um, they think they're woke. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, or they just, but both of them, and especially when this was all going on, both of them expressed to me, I, I just noticed this as a trend in having these conversation with men in the wake of uh, Me Too, was that they both said, well, now I'm, now I'm, I don't know what to do with women at work. Or now I don't know, I can't say hi. Like, now I'm just going to stick to my desk. I'm not going to look at anybody. First of all, good. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, this isn't about you. Um, but good, keep to yourself. Exactly. Good idea. Good, yeah. Overcorrect. Well, I guess I should keep my hands to myself, huh? But like... But it kind of goes into the idea of that now, like, oh, I guess no one's safe or, oh, I guess like, I guess I better, I don't know. I don't know how to talk to women. Like, I'm sorry if before me too happened, you didn't know how to talk to women without harassing them. Then you had a bigger problem than me too. Right. Like you had like, if you, you can't conceptualize how to interact with women in a way that might make them feel uncomfortable, maybe you should take this time to reflect. To be challenged. Or maybe you shouldn't be a CEO cause you can't follow basic <laughs> logic. <laughs> it's just this idea that, and I think that's, what's so interesting to me. And kind of the reason that we wanted to talk about this is, mm-hmm. um, today is just because this idea of people who would generally align themselves with women and mm-hmm. who feel like they're sympathetic and they think Harvey Weinstein's horrible and they think Louis C.K. is a freak and they think all this stuff is weird and uncomfortable. This is what they think. I'm not saying that's objectively true, but it is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is, but that's not what you're saying. That's not what I'm saying. But, but like there, this idea that people, even people who can like that, that we should challenge, we should, we should um, analyze our reactions to things to think about what that says about us. And it really, uh, it's funny when it happens from male allies, I think, because they consider themselves and, and I'm not saying that like, I think, and I think the reason I think something that happens a lot is then men or anyone else um, feel 
like, well, then they don't know how to be supportive, right? Like if they're, if I, if, if they feel like they're going to get shut down either way, they don't feel like they're going to be supportive, but it's like, yes, it's complicated. Just accept that. Yeah. Or just listen. Just exactly. Just listen. No one's asking you to solve it. No one's asking you, Matt Damon, to distinguish how Louis CK is a good guy and he took responsibility, which he didn't. Matt Damon was talking out of school because he, Louis CK did not take responsibility, but like that whole idea that, well, okay, well I need to weigh in on this. You actually don't. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need to weigh in on it. And you just need to listen about it and then reflect on your own behavior. Yeah. And that's what I hope the, you know, Aziz and sorry thing is it's just like a microcosm for all sure. of Sure. I think it's the more important one. Yeah. It's a litmus test. It shows how people, it should just make you analyze the way you think about things. And if you're finding yourself saying like, casually saying to your female friends as happened to me with these yeah. multiple well, yeah. people you know if you're if, one of the good ones you're a cool one. Oh, adrian she's my bro yeah <laughs> i could talk to her about anything so yeah, uh-huh. no but the idea i'm no one's bro <laughs> but the idea that just the idea that you would say this to your female friends you would say well who's safe like who, who what can i do as if like you shouldn't be worried about you like you shouldn't internalize this as you should, you should sit there. If you're worried about yourself, you should sit there and say, Hey, how am, how have I made women uncomfortable and how can I stop yes. instead of who's coming out to get me? Who, yes. Who's, who's ca- trying to target me and take me down. You should say, maybe I made someone uncomfortable. Maybe, yes. maybe I don't do that again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And I think that that's also, it's so funny how the double standard is so clear. How many of these allies or, you know, people who think like the patriarchy maybe is a little bit natural because guys just always want sex and guys kind of like don't get their periods. So they're not, they're better CEOs or whatever, like that. They can't see how now they're adopting this victim mentality. They're accusing people like grace of having exactly. like, Oh, I'm not safe because these girls are so, you know, or these women, but yeah. like they think of us as girls. Yeah, that, that it's that it somehow turns something that's very personal for a victim or for a survivor to somehow turns that into how it affects them is, I think, even even the fact that even allies do it. My point is that it shows how pervasive that thought yes, mentality it's ubiquitous. is. ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so it, it's the thought mentality that if women are doing something, especially loudly and vocally and prominently all over the news that it's a threat Mm -hmm. and that it's a threat to you and that that is just the antithesis of me too and it's just so irritating and you know I think about but at the same time it makes me think about my own responses like we shared in the first segment our initial responses to Mm -hmm. um the Aziz Ansari story are not exactly they're flawed you know absolutely they're flawed because so it's like yeah I, I do understand how you know, out male allies or allies can have that flawed response. But the difference is that we immediately I, reflected. On I immediately it. reflect on why am I thinking that way and what can I do to change? What can I do to listen yes. and then adapt? Mm-hmm. And how can I going forward? How can I, you know, approach situations differently? And I think of a story that happened with a friend of mine and, um, it was just, a, it was just, you know, we were very young and, uh, we all worked at the same place. And so, you know, let's just say it was sort of, fast paced <laughs> lifestyle customer um, service customer based. service related uh-huh. so um there's a lot when you get a lot of young people working together at night drinking a lot of things happen right sure 
And so, especially in really formative years of, in their lives. Their early adulthood. Yeah, exactly. So late early, teens, early, early 20s, yeah, late teens. I had um, the same experience. Exactly. Even so, into my 30s. Yeah. <laughs> A little immature. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it'll, it'll get you no matter what, no matter <laughs> yeah. when. Um, but the idea that, you know, I had um, a friend, I was friends with both of them, the, the guy and the woman. And um, they sort of had an encounter. They went out drinking. Well, and she had a crush on him, right? Well, she had, she was, yeah, she had a crush on him. She was interested, but not, didn't necessarily want to know what she wanted to do about that. She sure. just knew that, yeah, she was kind of interested, whatever. She was sort of dating, uh, not dating, but she was sort of barely dipping back into dating. And After ending a long-term relationship? Yeah, just breaking up with someone. And so she had... She had, you know, had this, she had gone out for drinks with this person, right? So they had obviously been drinking and they had gone home and, you know, I, I was out with them earlier that night. A couple of us were out we're earlier, earlier, we're out with them earlier that night. And, you know, we said our goodbyes, like, you know, we left. And then the next thing I heard was how horrible everything went from there on. And a really traumatic story of her telling me this encounter and what had happened to her and how essentially it was date rape and how essentially she felt so taken advantage of and she knew it wasn't something she wanted to do but she still couldn't conceptualize it as actually being date rape because it was someone who she liked and who she yeah, cared about and everybody who we, likes him yeah and who we all knew and who we would have seen we would see at work the next day and so when I first found it I was really horrified of what had happened to sure. her when I thought about it I saw him later and not didn't bat an eyelash and act like anything different had happened to protect her no, he, he, the way that he reacted to oh, me. Oh, right. Then I real once I realized that, then I was like, okay, he's not acting different. And the more I. And he knows you two are friends. Exactly. And that she's going to tell you what happened. Exactly. The more I thought about, the more I found myself being super conflicted because I realized I was upset at myself because I realized I know what happened to her and I know her truth and I believe her. And I know that that is what happened. Right. But the more I talked to him and I didn't talk necessarily about this at first, but it's like you have to work with him. Yeah. Yes. To, mm -hmm. The more I realized he didn't think that that's what he was doing. He didn't think he did anything wrong. He didn't think he did anything wrong. Mm -hmm. He didn't think that he did anything wrong. And he would have been shocked and appalled if he realized what the other side of it was. If he realized what the other side of the Aziz Ansari was, right? That he was the Aziz, except further. And he, right. and he didn't realize, but there was clear clues. She said no, right? She's, You've told me this story before. Yes, she said. Transparency. She's, yeah, exactly. She said no. So that's the difference here where there's, you know, nonverbal cues. There was verbal cues. But what it made me realize was the fact that I even felt a little bit sympathetic towards him made me sick because Aww. this is one of my good uh -huh. friends. And I felt bad being so like, I feel bad that I didn't shun him right away. Well, but here's the thing, though. Every part of society reinforces this to make us question our own so we don't have to attack these poor men and their careers and their image and their reputation. Yeah. Probably because he isn't that bad of a guy. But what he did was terrible and monstrous. Yeah, I mean... But I've, also sanctioned by society. Exactly. I won't I won't comment on how good of a person he is just because I don't know. Now you know more. I know more now. And stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do... But it just, it was so eye-opening to me in my first experience with having someone I cared about go through something like this. It was really eye-opening to real, like, and I know this sounds sort of obvious, but it was eye-opening at that time to realize, oh, he doesn't think he did anything wrong. Like, and I think when people talk about the nuances and they talk about, you know, when, when you mm -hmm. say assault or when you say rape, you think of this, like, 
evil, slimy monster like Harvey Weinstein right. forcing you in his room and forcing himself on you. And or you think of, you know, Have, hiring people to follow you around. Yeah. yeah. Or you think of a man in an alley attacking you or with you think gun of or a, knife. a gun. Yeah. So where where the intent is there in the malicious intent is there. And the other side of this is people who don't even realize if they don't even realize their intent, they don't even realize that, right. that they're well, also everything is subtly reinforcing that he should try to get laid. Yes. If he's a man, if he's a guy, if he's a dude, he should be trying to get laid or she would want to because she came out with or him, she's right? supposed to or say she, no and resist. Yes. Or she would want to because she's there in the first place. Right. Because she's going through the motions. She's there versus right and she if she really want to say no she'd get up and leave yeah even though she even though she said no you know it's just one of yeah. those things where i the more it just it was and i it was just a light bulb moment to me to realize like there's a different layer when there's there's people who don't think they did anything wrong right when it's very clearly was traumatizing to the other party right they just don't think they did anything wrong and that idea is that's the scary that's the scary part because that's uh -huh. the way that think that's the way that i think for some men Often, often, <laughs> yeah. Hashtag not all men. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, What's that one tweet that's all? I want to. I forget who it was. I wish I could give her credit. I'll try and mention it later, but uh, in the show notes or something. But uh, uh, I want to make a website that says not all men say not all men and watch them as they don't know what to do with themselves because <laughs> they, they want to say not all men so bad. Exactly. Watch people. The, the, um, yeah. But I think the, the, the biggest part about this section is just to make us step back and reflect on how the, a big section of this can just be so problematic that people don't realize that doesn't inherently mean, oh, they should be excused. It means why have we taught them what has been ingrained in their minds yes. to make them not realize that something that is so clearly traumatic and horrible to someone else that they could not register that in their actions at all. Right. That's OK. What mm -hmm. facilitated that behavior? And I think that is something that's really that's just deeper, a deeper problem. Yeah, the bigger question behind me, too. I do want to in the next segment to acknowledge the problematic nature of Me Too revolving around white, wealthy celebrity women when it was, you know, invented by a woman of color. But we'll get to that in the we'll, next segment. We'll get there. Okay. So we'll be right back again. during the zombie epidemic. Don't let your family be taken over by the recently turned. Be sure to stock up during your next scavenger outing with Zombiegon is one of the leading zombie repellents on the market today. Don't let zombies lurk around your home or workplace. Just spray Zombiegon anywhere you want to avoid zombies. Around your home, on your car, even on your pets. Zombiegon is safe to spray on yourself and the kids. Mommy, my eyes burn! Do you want to die, Susie? So be sure to make Zombie Gone your survival priority. You can find it in the pesticide aisle of your local grocery store. Welcome back to Shrill Vibes. I'm Sarah. I'm Andrew. Okay, and I want to talk about a quote from Jackson Katz, who's, you know, a famous academic speaker about violence against women. So he says, 
We talk about how many women were raped last year, not about how many men raped women. We talk about how many girls in a school district were harassed last year, not about how many boys harassed girls. We talk about how many teenage girls in the state of Vermont got pregnant last year rather than how many men and boys impregnated teenage girls. So you can see how the use of the passive voice has political effect. It shifts the focus off men and boys and onto girls and women. Even the term violence against women is problematic. It's a passive construction. There's no active agent in the sentence. It's a bad thing that happens to women. But when you look at that term violence against women, nobody is doing it to them. It just happens to them. Men aren't even a part of it. So that's Jackson Katz. And that's, I thought that would be a good lead into our ideas about culpability and um, responsibility in things that happen that's traumatic for everyone. It's yes. a problem with society for everyone. I think the biggest part about that quote is that it forces people to realize how much of this idea is framed in a, in a certain way for us before the way we digest information, the way we... Like process it, process it, everything, hear it, the way we hear it, the way it's told, the way, mm -hmm. any way that we encounter it, that is framing it for us. And it's really just pointing out that when we try to talk about these uh, nuances and we try to talk about why someone might be more inclined to excuse their own behavior or just not even realize it when we talk about those things, this is why, right? This is why, because of how we share it and how we uh, tell these stories. Well, right. And then that's, I think this is a good opportunity to bring up. Like, I know that, um, it ends up being even violence against women. It's a women problem, not a trans problem and not a woman of color problem. And how me too was actually a hashtag movement. What was it? Six months to a year before this most recent iteration. Yeah. And it was a woman of color, but she wasn't famous. She wasn't wealthy. You know, we don't care about her. We don't know her. So it doesn't matter. I mean, and then I like, there's this really good episode of on the media that I want to link to. And I think it's good because because by the end of the episode, Brooke Gladstone mentions how she's schooled because she's like a second wave feminist, but like how the movement itself can be problematic, but it takes this kind of like nuanced conversation to really get at what the problems are and what's going on in order to make real change. We can't make real change unless we talk about it in kind of like a long form like this. Exactly. And I think one, people don't really want to put in that work. Sure. Obviously. Yeah. Or they just assume if, if it's, you know, represented in that hashtag, then then it therefore it's all one thing. And they just sort of, you know, assign meaning to every story on their own and assume that people can't like Matt Damon, who was really just an we're, idiot. we're not making we're not getting any Matt Damon fans. Um, right. <laughs> but, sorry, guys. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, no. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I was trying to think about something I liked about Matt Damon and then I couldn't. But right. um, even Goodwill Hunting, which is his best work, is like. So problematic, too. <laughs> when I think of Matt Damon, I don't know. I just think of that movie that came out recently that was really bad. Oh, Great Wall. No, the... Oh, that, too. But <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Okay, no more Matt Damon talk. No, Sorry. I don't want to talk about him anymore. <laughs> but, like, the idea behind what he said. Yeah, or just that it's, it's these discussions that are necessary because there's this idea, and I feel like it's really just popular in internet culture in general, mm -hmm. but that... You have to come down hard either way on something and right. you have to, just, you have to weigh in. You have to, not just that, but that everything is either canceled or not or whatever. And you have and, to judge and evaluate. Yeah. Uh -huh. And it's really, it's really easy to do that and not do this. It's really easy to just do that instead of realizing, okay, these are some things we learned. This is what was bad. This is what we, th we think you should do. Meaning, and I, by we, I mean society. <laughs> like, sure, everyone. I'm not saying that we're telling you what to do, but yeah. you know, the idea that, which I think your best advice was maybe we should listen. Maybe people should listen. And, right. 
And I, so I think that's, that quote is really a, a good way of showing, yeah, that's part of the process. And if we need to look at Aziz Ansari's work differently now, that that's okay. Doesn't mean he has to never have a career again. It's okay to talk about it and maybe not even okay, but good. So you were mentioning stuff about like his comeback. Well, yeah, because something... Because it's again male centric. Yeah, like just to, just to, you know, sort of go with that same theme, I see stories already that are about either um, Charlie Rose or... I don't know if it was Louis C.K., but it was someone else. You know, they're planning their comeback. Oh, it was Matt Lauer. Matt Lauer with his... Who literally imprisoned him when he locked yeah, the door. Yeah, with his lock on his door to uh-huh. keep female staffers locked in his office. Um, but the idea that it was like these little headlines start popping up, right? And, you know, the way that we process this stuff internally... Poor Matt Lauer. Can he overcome this thing he went through? Plotting a comeback. Charlie Rose is plotting a comeback. Or, uh-huh. or Matt Lauer is plotting a comeback. And it just that quote that you shared was just a way to show us how a phrase like violence against women in in that passive voice or even a phrase like a headline in a magazine absolutely really sort of does that job for us of framing these things as not about the victims right right so in that case the violence against women sort of takes the aggressor out of it right Mm -hmm. it takes the person doing the act out of it the perpetrator the perpetrator versus these comeback stories make it all about how this incident has affected them and their career Right. The idea of a comeback, me, his potting his comeback after Me Too, as if it was just this wave. And it frames it all in how this has affected these men instead of how it's affected these women who now don't have careers. Maybe they left the news in the morning. Right. Maybe they maybe they stopped working at their place. Maybe they haven't worked in Hollywood or not even Hollywood, but... Oh, whatever they're doing. Whatever the business what, is. But or becoming a CEO. Becoming a CEO. It's just... Mm-hmm. The, I hate the idea that, and it just bugs me to my core, that we didn't learn a lesson because then right. the next phase of... How do we com- recover of, as of, men? Yeah, how do we recover as men? Okay, that's different than how how can I just come back from this? Like I stepped away and I hid in the shadows for a little bit and I made women feel like they made progress and then now I'm just going to come back. Right. That part irritates me because it just once again takes victims out of it. Right. And I do think that there could be a whole other podcast that I think we'd need another speaker because we're kind of talking from our own perspective. But I've listened to a lot of good stuff. Like I listened to Anthony Rapp on a couple different podcasts talk about Kevin Spacey or even Richard Dreyfuss's son about Kevin Spacey. There's a lot of stories that fit within the framework of me too that aren't about women even so I I do want to bring up how me too also goes along with the idea of women embracing sexuality rejecting slut shaming so you can be sex positive in fact the me too movement makes it possible for women to be more sex positive I don't want to speak out of school because I don't know this but like supposedly like even Richard Dreyfuss's son I wish I knew his first name but he he was saying he can't even frame it as he was being a victim because that's too much being like a woman. He has to say like, haha, it's so funny, right? That he did this to me what? when my dad was in the other room. He touched my crotch on the table. I guess I know what it's like to be a chick. haha, you know? And then he realized that, no, it's okay for him to know that it's not okay for Kevin Spacey to touch yeah. a 17-year-old that boy that way. Or even a 20-year-old boy. <laughs> yeah, that victim or the fact that women have to be subjugated. So to me, if a woman knows that she's consenting or any party knows they're consenting it frees you up to have a dialogue and a conversation so let's say you even want to live out like i don't know a rape fantasy or some sort of bdsm or have fingers stuck down your throat whatever you want to be done 
Me Too allows that to happen in a safe way for both parties. Yeah, like if in the you know initial story in the first segment, if if that woman wanted to go home with Aziz Ansari and wanted to do everything that she wanted to do, that's her right. The Me Too movement or ideology ideology behind it has should have no effect on sex positivity. You know, mm-hmm. but the, but the reality is that the, in this instance she was not comfortable. So she did not want to do it. You know what I mean? Right. All the responsibility for stopping sex has to be on the woman. So therefore the slut shaming must also be on her. She was asking for it. She didn't stop it, you know, or whatever party is feminized in that way, whether it's like a a young gay man or a young straight man whose dad works with an older gay man, whatever situation it is, a trans woman, whatever party is the one that needs to be dominated and had sex with, for, for instance, just think like if a woman could live out her fantasies or the party that's subjugated could live out their fantasies in a freeing way that felt safe. Oh my gosh, men should love this idea because that means that sexuality's like happening. Yeah, like sexuality, <laughs> sexuality is happening. Embraced. Like, I mean, think about the ideas and 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 thoughts that women could have or subjugated parties that don't feel safe could have if they felt safe. Like everything, like sex would be better. Yeah. Everybody involved. And I think I've heard some of the criticism of Me Too has been, well, you know, some communities that like sex sex positive communities, whether they're feminist communities or whether they're queer communities who Mm -hmm. really sort of thrive on like sexual language and visibility as a way of as a form of identity or as a form of operating as a counter public to you know a different sort of hegemonic sexuality views right. like heteronormative yeah. kind of like if, modernism yeah, 2.5 you, kids kind of thing uh-huh. that you sort of like thrive off of using sexuality in your face sexuality as an identity because it's different from you right. know a, a quote-unquote and it norm. rejects heteronormativity yeah, mm-hmm. but, but which the, is great yeah but awesome. some people felt that that me too threatened that and that is just I think that's where we have to, that, that reminds me of the no one safe argument. Yes. We have to realize that talking about consent and talking about consensual affairs or consensual encounters is not the same as talking about these unsolicited encounters that are, are traumatic and that are or horrible. Even like perceived to be solicited, which is, I think, the heart of what we're talking about in this whole podcast, this whole episode, whatever we're doing here is... Just because you're hanging out with someone or you go to someone's house, that doesn't count as solicitation. That doesn't count. And if we recognize what makes men think that it's the women's responsibility or whoever's being, you know, put in the feminine party, if they realize what their part is or what how we frame it as a society, then everything will be better for everyone. Yes. Before I forget, I want to get to the how it really doesn't detract from rape too. Okay, so it's that same idea too, that there is rape by gunpoint. There is rape, even marital rape that everybody knows. Like you get beat up and you say no when you try to run away and they get you or Harvey Weinstein hires ex Law and order SVU. Yeah, law and order SVU. Those like clear cut rape. The Aziz Ansari story does not threaten that person either. Or talking about the discomfort she had in that encounter, talking about these sort of nuanced ways that we've ingrained ourselves to act in sexual instances, talking about just thinking about the way that we're all sort of informed by that does not mean that we equate rape at gunpoint with 
it just things can coexist at, on different levels right and well, not it in a does. and no, not in a can, yeah. it does and not and life they, is. exactly and just not in a and not in a hierarchy and not in a mm-hmm. not in a way exactly. that assi- that assigns worth to them or that signs you know i think of i think it's margaret cho who always talks about she uses this phrase it's not the oppression olympics yeah <laughs> yeah like we're not sort of like it's not this uh, idea where something has to be like worse or better or whatever. They, they all exist on a plane, on a tier that are all the result of rape culture and yes, yes, uh, yes, yes, misogyny and all these horrible things. <laughs> right. Or just different, anti-different. Yeah. Like we have to reinforce supremacy and heteronormativity. And that's the real problem. And that's what we need to get at. Life is complex. There is not an easy answer. Sarah Silverman said Louis C.K. is still a good dad and an amazing person and does monstrous, terrible things. And you're allowed to feel conflicted about these things. You're allowed to feel right. You're allowed to feel conflicted as long as you're really thinking about why you feel a certain way and what's sort of informing your gut reaction or your knee-jerk reaction to them. As long as you're thinking about that, hopefully you're sort of revealing the ways that there's these systemic uh, prejudices and systemic biases towards, you know, favoring men and then, va- so, then favoring victims. It's so brainwashed us. It's so a part of us, like colonization, the patriarchy, all of those things. We can't help it. That's how we were all raised. It's not one set of parents that reinforce that idea. It's all of it's society and media. It's conditioning. And we need to resist that and fight that at all times. Absolutely. So did you, we get to everything you want to talk about? I think so. I think so too. So I feel like I know I'm going to listen back to this and we're going to have forgotten something. There's a million things that we could yeah, have So said. it kind of leads me to think that we maybe need to do more episodes or if we can't because of maybe there'll be some new iteration of this podcast. I'm sure there's something going on right now that we could comment on some breaking story. That- yes. <laughs> some breaking story or some like way to address something we said that might be problematic, which is likely to be true and just don't and don't be afraid of that don't be afraid of right learning from something that you said you, you're not born knowing all the right answers right right that's the, and I think that's <laughs> when you know per- better do better right exactly that's a perfect hashtag for this and you know better and do better c- continuously but I think that that's like the perfect ending to this podcast in the sense that we that's our point here is we need to explore something in order to actually make change and it, it takes more than just a hashtag or more than just um like one article it needs to be like a continued nuanced complex conversation it's a a journey and hopefully you listening to this and us listening talking about this and anyone listening um will reflect on something in their life that it's you don't have to feel like you're this you know horrible monster you can't you might be but (laughs) yeah (laughs) some people out there are are. maybe we are (laughs) but maybe we are who who knows but Mm -hmm. the idea that you know you can do something about that and that you're hopefully making active change yes active change so will we see you next time maybe yeah well hopefully to be continued okay <laughs> this is adrian and you're listening to shrill vibes and i'm sarah if you want this podcast to continue if you have a comment please email us at shrillvibes at gmail.com it's s-h-r-i-l-l-v-i-b-e-s and just tell us what you think and we'd maybe, love to hear from you. Yes. Maybe we need to revisit some ideas, have different guests, figure out what we're doing. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening.